thank you, Cheryl and Russ, for your leading us in praise and worship this morning. Uh, we are continuing in what is our sort of yearly summer series in the Psalms, and if you think that something went wrong, that somebody got the wrong information and read the wrong passage of Scripture this morning, we'll talk a little bit in a moment about why it is that had a passage from 1 Samuel read when we're going to be looking at Psalm 34 today. Uh, last week, Pastor John talked to us from Psalm 13. And he shared with us the fact that two-thirds of the psalms are psalms that bring to God laments, complaints, frustrations. And he preached to us last week an invitation to tears. I think maybe, John, your subtitle was, It's Okay Not to Be Okay. And the main point was that the psalms invite us to bear the deepest and most painful parts of our lives to God with a promise that he will hear us and not shut us out, and that one day he will set the world right. Uh, last week in Psalm 13, the cry of David's heart was, how long, how long, how long, O God? He was going through a time when it felt like maybe the heavens were brass, that his cries weren't getting through to God, that God wasn't answering his prayers quickly. And he was sharing with God the frustrations, the anger, and John invited us last week to be like David and to share with God our deepest emotions. If we're frustrated when we come before God, we don't have to pretend that we're not frustrated. We can bring to God our frustrations, our anger, our impatience, our tears. So many of the Psalms are Psalms of Lament, But today I'm going to turn our attention to Psalm 34, which is a psalm of praise, a psalm of praise from David when he saw God hear him and answer him and bring him out of his troubles. So before we jump into Psalm 34 this morning, let me add my prayer to John that God would help us. Lord, we come before you today, a needy people, so many of us facing troubles of many kinds, and we thank you that you are the God who hears us and answers us when we call to you in our troubles. We thank you for this psalm this morning, this psalm of praise and thanksgiving to you for being the God who hears us, who is attentive to our cries, who delivers us from trouble, who protects us, and who is near to us in the deepest of our agonies. I pray today that you would speak, that your word would especially come to those who are listening, especially those facing troubles, that they would find encouragement from this psalm today. I pray this for your glory and your praise. Holy Spirit, come and help us for Jesus' sake and his glory. Amen. In today's scripture reading, from 1 Samuel, we read the context from which Psalm 34 was written. Psalm 34 is one of those psalms that specifically tells us what was happening to David when he wrote this song. David is a man who knows troubles. His troubles, in essence, seem to begin with his anointing by God to be the next king of Israel. Things begin well for David. When he's brought into Saul's service, you might remember, 
to use his musical gifts to calm Saul, Saul, to calm the king when the king is upset. Saul loves David greatly and makes David one of his armor bearers. While David is visiting his brothers in Saul's army, he's present to hear the insults of Goliath and eventually to win the victory for which he's most famous. His victory over Goliath, though, comes with a price. As Saul now has his love turned to jealousy toward David. Because the people are singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And it's not long before Saul makes his first attempt on David's life when he hurls that spear at David as David is playing his music for him. At this point in David's life, he becomes a fugitive. The future king runs for his life. He's chased all over the countryside by a jealous Saul whose hatred for David now seems to have surpassed the love he once felt for him. In 1 Samuel 21 that Pastor John read, things have gotten so bad for David that he flees for protection to the Philistine stronghold of Gath. Don't know if that rings any bells. Goliath's hometown. David flees for protection to Goliath's hometown. This is like a Yankee fan rooting for the Red Sox or vice versa. Now the servants of the Philistine king, they kind of elbow him and say, don't you remember this guy? This is the guy who led Israel in battle when thousands of our people were killed. So David now finds himself not only in danger from Saul, but in danger from the king under whose protection he had placed himself. And so he concocts a plan to remain safe. He decides to act like a madman by erratic behavior by purposely allowing drool to run down over his beard. And it's through this great acting job that David escapes the Philistines and take re takes residence in a cave in Adullam. And it is quite possible that is in this cave that Psalm 34 was first sung by David. Now we read in 1 Samuel 2, 22, 2 that everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to David and he became captain over them. Might I suggest that they came to David because they believed he understood them. He was in distress. He knew the pangs of battling the spirit of bitterness towards Saul, I'm sure. He had nothing to his name, though he was the anointed king of Israel. It's in the context of these troubles and God's deliverance from the king of Gath that David penned Psalm 34. You see, David knows troubles, but David knows God. And Psalm 34 is a psalm that praises God for God's deliverance of David. And Psalm 34, in Psalm 34, David reminds us of the character of God 
the God we serve, and it's the truths about his character, who God is, that I would like to share with you this morning and think about. So let's read Psalm 34 together and ask the question, what is it about God that was such an encouragement to David and can be an encouragement to us today in the troubles that we face? Psalm 34 of David, when he changed his behavior before Ahimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. It's possible they're not looking to be fixed. They don't want to change, so they just want someone to listen to them. They don't want advice. Sometimes I think it means that they don't believe anyone has the power to really help them. So they don't want the listener to even try. Just listen. When we cry to God, we call out to an all-powerful Father who is always capable of saving us from our troubles. In fact, David is praising God for that very thing. God doesn't just listen. He delivers. Verse 4, the Lord answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 7, and he delivers them. Verse 17, the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 18, the Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit. Verse 19, the Lord delivers them from them all. Verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servant. Nothing could be much more clear from this psalm than this fact. God is not just a good listener. He is able and willing to deliver his people from their troubles. For David, in the context, this meant that God spared his life and allowed his ruse to work. It's interesting to note that although it appeared David concocted the plan to act insane and David carried out the plan to perfection, David still sees his deliverance as a work of God. This in itself, I think, it is instructive for us. There are times where God might deliver us in answer to our prayers in a way that's so amazing that we could say, it's only God that could have done that. And we can testify, look what God did for me. It's amazing. But you know, there's many other times where we may need to recognize that God's deliverance is going to come God's blessing is going to come by blessing our plans and our actions. But it's no less the work of God. Do we give God less praise and glory when someone is healed through the work of a skilled surgeon or through properly diagnosed and applied doses of medicine? No, we say in all seriousness that God healed them. 
And it's no less a work of God's saving power when he uses means to achieve that end. Deliverance for David came when God blessed David's plan and brought him out of the presence of the king of Gath with his life still intact. At this point, we have to recognize that the psalm presents us with a bit of a paradox. It would seem logical that if God delivers the righteous from all their troubles, that there wouldn't be any more troubles to face. Unfortunately, this is not the reality of the Christian life, and it wasn't the reality for David. David was delivered from the king of Gath, but continued to flee for his life for several more years as Saul persisted in his pursuit of David. Verse 19 tells us, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them. David is saying to us that whatever troubles come into our lives, call out to God. He'll hear you, and he'll deliver you. He's not here to promise us a life free of troubles. As I already mentioned, you might make a case for the fact that David's troubles began when God called him. For us, this means that God's an ever-present help in the midst of our troubles. He's the answer to all of our troubles, not in the sense that he's going to keep us from all difficulty, but in the sense that he can and will save us from our difficulties, and he'll redeem them for our good. Now, I need to remind you of something very encouraging at this point. I've talked a lot to you about troubles. Brother and sister, there is coming a day when all our troubles will be in the past. When we see the face of Jesus and are in the presence of our loving Father in heaven, there will be no more troubles for us then. This is the blessed hope expressed in passages like Revelation 7, verses 15 to 17. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits upon the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more. They shall thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Our trouble-free future is secure in Jesus. But it was Jesus himself who told his disciples in John 16 that in this world you will have tribulation. So Psalm 34 is a reminder to us that while in this fallen world, even the righteous will have trouble. But God delivers. Now this could mean that when you cry out to God, he'll change the circumstances and deliver you from the circumstances like he did David in 1 Samuel. This could also mean that he'll answer our cry with the words he spoke through the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul prayed, God, would you please take away this thorn in my flesh? I think many of you know God's answer to 
Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. Third thing I want you to notice from the passage is that God keeps or protects. God not only hears us and delivers us, God is a source of protection for us. We see this in verse 20 where God says he keeps all his bones. Psalm 21 used the same word when it says the Lord is your keeper. He is your shade at your right hand. Shade protects us from the sun and the dangers that can come with exposure to the sun's heat. Now, while God does not promise a life free from troubles, he does promise protection. He'll redeem our troubles. He'll cause them to strengthen us rather than destroy us. He'll keep us from the eroding effect that troubles can have on our faith in him. Verse 7 gives us a wonderful word picture of God's keeping his people when it tells us the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. God protects us by encamping around us. Now, I need to lead you to use your imaginations here. This is an interesting picture in that it takes a very familiar scene for the Israelites and turns it completely around. You see, the Israelites knew that in their history, when they wandered in the wilderness, they would camp when the pillar of cloud stopped and parked itself in a particular place. And you know what their camp looked like. The Levites in the tabernacle were in the center. And all the tribes of Israel camped around them. It was a wonderful picture of God in the midst, in the middle of all his people. But this verse, Psalm 34, 7, takes that picture and reverses it all. It says the people are now in the center. And God is camping all around them. So that no matter where they look, there's God. No matter where they look, there's the Lord protecting them. No matter where their gaze went, there was God, their keeper and protector. There's a wonderful Old Testament story that illustrates God's protection of his people and his encamping around them. Let me remind you of the story from 2 Kings 6. The king of Syria at that point, is threatening Israel with war. But Elisha the prophet keeps telling the king of Israel the very details of the Syrian war strategy. So Syria's king calls his counselors together and asks them, All right, which of you guys is a traitor? Every time we try something, they already know what we're going to do. And his counselors tell him that it's Elisha who's telling the king of Israel the very words that they speak in their private meetings. So it makes sense to the king of Syria. i got to get rid of Elisha. So he sends horses and chariots to a city called Dothan and surrounds the city where Elisha is staying. The next morning, Elisha's servant happens to look out and sees the Syrian army all around the city. Elisha's response when his servant gave him this news, 
those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prays to God that God would open the eyes of his servant. And we're told that what he saw, his servant, what he saw when he looked out again, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. God's army had encamped around one prophet of his, and the result was that Elisha was safe. God struck the Syrian army with blindness, and Elisha, one man, took the entire Syrian army captive. What a wonderful picture of God camping around one of his servants to protect them. There's another Old Testament image from Psalm 125. Many of you are aware that Debbie and I just returned from uh, two weeks in Alaska celebrating our 40th anniversary year. Uh, the scenery in, up there was just beyond description, God's handiwork and his creation. What struck me so often was the closeness and presence of mountains. There they'd be just rising up from right over there, just right next to the sea, maybe just room for one railroad or one road to get between them and the sea. The mountains were incredible. And if you know a town is built right there by the sea with mountains behind them, it's a pretty safe place. The only way an enemy can get to that town would be by the water or to somehow be able to make it across those amazing high mountains. There is a picture in Psalm 125, verse 2, that says, As the mountains are around Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Jerusalem was surrounded by mountains, which made the city safe on so, occasion, on so many occasions because of the geography. They formed a natural defense for the city, but a defense that was supposed to remind them that the mountains weren't really their greatest source of protection. Their greatest source of protection was God himself who surrounds his people like mountains surround a city. God is attentive. He hears our cry. God delivers. God protects the last thing I'd like to share with you is from verse 18. It is possible that you are here this morning and you've heard everything that I've had to say so far, but you're tempted to say to me, Scott, I hear all these things you're saying and they are encouraging, but quite honestly, trouble's not a strong enough word for what I'm going through right now. I have one more word of encouragement for you. Verse 18 tells us that God cares so much and is so tender towards his, towards his hurting children that he draws especially close to those who need him the most. He is near to the brokenhearted. 
He saves those who are crushed in spirit. If those words describe you even more than just the word troubles, if you are here this morning and you are brokenhearted, you are crushed in your spirit, well, no words that I can share could be any more encouraging than to tell you that when our trials are the most severe, God's promise to us is his very presence with us. Isn't that one of the great comforts of Psalm 23? Psalm 23, maybe the best known of all Psalms, that says, where David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that doesn't sound like a simple, easy trouble to me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In Isaiah chapter 43, the prophet writes these words that also remind us that the greatest encouragement we could ever have is God's presence with us in our trials. Isaiah 43 But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. There is no greater comfort in our deep trials than God's promised presence to be there in the midst of them. So as we close this morning, brother and sister in Christ, please take comfort today in who God is. Though the righteous, though we have many, may have many troubles, God hears us when we cry to him. His ears are always inclined to the voice of his children. He not only hears us, but he delivers us from our troubles in a variety of ways. He can remove the trouble from our lives, or he can give us grace to serve him in the midst of our troubles. Either way, he is always there to help us. Remember that God protects us. Remember the word pictures and stories from the Old Testament that God encamps around us and God surrounds us like the mountains around a valley for protection. Remember most of all that God promises us the greatest of blessings when our trials are the most severe. He promises to be with us. So this morning, I hope that from this psalm that you will taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If you're here this morning and you've never 
trusted Christ for salvation, I guess the question that I want to ask is where are you going to go for comfort when the troubles of life come to you? Will you blame your circumstances on bad luck and that luck's bound to turn around sometime? Are your troubles simply the result of random chance? There is not much comfort in luck and chance. Come to Jesus today and know him to be the God who we read about here in Psalm 34. Taste and see that he is good. Know that if you call to him, he'll hear you and deliver you. Trust in him today and you'll find refuge for your soul. One final reminder that someday there are two futures ahead of all men. One for the people of God, free of troubles. And one where the troubles and afflictions will never cease for all eternity. Come to Christ today to know his help and that trouble-free future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for David and how David just bears his soul and heart to you. Lord, last week we read and heard about a time in David's life where he felt you weren't really listening. And this week we see a psalm where he knows your deliverance when you called to him. Lord, probably everyone here in this room has troubles of some kind, small or great. And I pray that this psalm would be an encouragement to each one of us. Lord, Holy Spirit, come with encouragement to our hearts and remind us that you hear, you answer, you deliver, you save, you protect, and you are close to us in the troubles that you allow into our lives. We give you praise and glory for being this kind of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.